it's pretty cool to see someone at you know 63 years old as his first professional theater gig yes. after retiring yeah uh mm-hmm. that was pretty pretty inspiring in that sense I, I think that's um but it was cool to just hear him talk about his career and you know retiring from education and then moving on into the the world of theater it was great it was great uh as somebody who's a teacher also like that's what i've thought about doing in the summers like trying to find extra work or summer stock or something like that and then just thinking about that you could do that every summer and then when you retire there you go world's your your oyster if that's what you still want to do and he's doing it. I mean, you know, he's pursuing what he wants to do. Got a lot That's of projects great. in the in the works. It was uh, it was great to talk Seems to. Seems like uh, he's having a ton of fun. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it's all about. Uh, wonderful conversation with your uncle, Dennis Robinson, uh, musician, actor, retired teacher, composer, dad joke enthusiast. Definitely. He told a couple of zingers on this that were uh, they might make the cut. They might not. We'll leave that up to Joe. We'll find out. We'll see. Um, I just want to, before we sign off on the intro here, I just got to say, Joe is growing a mustache. Oh. Yeah, you didn't know where that was going. I didn't know. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, no, he's growing. Guess. He's still tall. He's still <laughs> talling. Is that what he's <laughs> yes, he's, he's talling. Now he's growing Dude, a mustache. I'd love to gain some inches right now. Yeah, me too. So you can. You can actually have a surgery. It's it's pretty brutal, but that's what I hear. Yeah, really. Like a like a. a, a they insert a rod into what bone is this? Thigh, thigh bone. Yeah, and um, like they crank. And it slowly. Oh, I don't yeah. want to even think about yeah, it. That yeah, sounds yeah. like terrible. yeah, like month I'm by happy month. Where I am. Yeah. Um. But I'm you're gonna be six four. Oh, fantastic! Hey, more power oh, to you. Yeah, it's like a it's like a basketball hoop where they crank it and you just goes up. Yeah. That's what's gonna happen. Yeah. But so anyway, yeah, mustache. your mustache. <sighs> um, it's coming in good. It's I like it. I, I it like does, it too. It's like it's, it's not very, catching me off guard at all. It's very. I'm trying to think. Extraordinary. <laughs> no, like who? What do you what do you think the finished product is going to look like? What celebrity with a famous mustache do you think Joe is going to be most similar to? Mm. Do you have someone in mind, or are you asking me to? I'm asking. I, I want to know if you have someone Need in mind. Help. I mean, the only mustache guy I can think of is Burt Reynolds. Yeah, yeah well, I, I think I but, was thinking Steve Harvey. Oh, oh, sure, sure. You got you got the um, what's his name from Parks and Rec? Famous Ron Swanson. Oh, Ron Swanson. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I can yeah. see that. Sam Elliott, he's usually a mustache guy, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, fun episode today. It was nice to talk to my uncle. Yeah. Threw, it was you know, great. shout out to him for you know coming through last minute. Last minute like that, he really uh, came through for us, and we appreciate it. Right, so thank we, you, Dennis. We did have Ted Danson. We, we had did. Ted we did. Right. He go. slipped through our fingers. Had to cancel. Yeah. yeah. It was actually no. It wasn't him. It was us. We we got a we ha, we were too busy and was right. like sorry Ted we can't squeeze you in when you need it and yeah and well you know it's our show it's our show and next time next maybe time maybe it was a weird flex but hey we got to do it next time next no. time Ted next time buddy don't worry we got you. If you, if you ever want to be amazed with a prodigy, look online. There's a girl. Her name is Ellen. I don't know what her last name is. She's like nine years old. She plays funk bass. Oh, oh nice. Okay. And really? she is playing fucking Bootsy Collins. Yeah. And, yes. and, oh, wow. and Verdine White. And it's like um, they, Steve Harvey had her on. And he had Bootsy Collins on re- remotely, and he had um, Philip Bailey and Verdine White and the other guy from Earth, Wind, and Fire. Come on! And she was like, she was crying. She was so excited. Her dad, I think, her I dad plays guitar, is. and she's got such a great sense of humor. But she is so fucking talented. I can't get over it. The skill level of uh, some musicians now within like the YouTube generation is like crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting like six, mm-hmm. seven year olds who just they have this crazy yeah. knowledge of music, and 
they can not only play, but they can also record. There's this one kid on Instagram who must be five years old, and he's an expert on like audio. So he's sampling That's, things. Well, I, he's, I don't get it. He's going in and like in, in like it's it's incredible, and he's got an incredible mind. But I'm always <laughs> fascinated with the 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 new talent that is out there. I mean, these kids are amazing, and they could do things that I can't even fathom. Yeah, it's it's really cool. It's scary, but you also have to go with um, the the line from uh, "What a Wonderful World." You know, I hear babies cry. I watch them grow. They'll learn much more than I'll ever know. Yeah, you know. Oh, love it. <laughs> yeah. That's I, a great I, way I, to look at life well, too. When I, when I was teaching instruments, I had to grapple with that because it's like you know, shit. This kid's getting to the point where he he's going to be better than me, and he's going to need a different teacher. But it's like, well, and that's good. <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. After that, it teaches the lesson. He's like. Hey, could you? How did you do that? <laughs> Flip it on him. You give him fifty bucks at the end. Thanks, kid. You just gave me a lesson. Yeah. Uh. You start scheduling with his mom or something. <laughs> can I come to your house next week? Yeah. Can, can, I, can I come over there next week and uh, learn a thing or two? That's really funny. Um, first of all, thank you. This was like as last minute as you can possibly get. So. <laughs> I mean, we really appreciate you coming in. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, we'll get. I don't know. I, you were just saying that you taught musical instruments, and what exactly do you play? Well, actually, uh, my ma my main instrument through high school and college was trombone. Okay. But uh, uh, when I w I went to Berklee College of Music in Boston. Yep. And when I was there, I studied jazz composition and arranging, and one of my roommates. Um, was the keyboard player for uh, a local band called The New Sounds. Um, and uh, he showed me quite a bit of things. I knew some stuff on the keyboard. I took piano lessons back when I was like five. Yep. Um, but uh, he showed me quite a few things. And then just from, from using all the music theory in my composition, um, I picked up a lot. And so since then, probably, I'd say... Keyboard's probably my main instrument now. I play the organ at church, and oh, wow. um, I've played a lot of GB stuff, and um, I have a little little studio set up in my house, and done quite a bit quite a bit of things like that. But um, but uh, to be a music teacher, I basically had to learn the basics of uh, most of the brass instruments: trombone, mm -hmm. trumpet, French horn, and then woodwind instruments. And um, this, unfortunately, the strings were the bane of my existence. Um, <laughs> the uh, when when we got to, uh, they had two semesters uh, of strings. One was for violin, viola. Uh -huh. One was for cello and bass. Uh -huh. But when we were doing a semester of cello and bass, it was me and one girl in the class. And so the professor said, well, we're not going to waste our time doing half a semester on each. You guys pick an instrument and we'll do that. So both of us picked the bass. So okay. it was basically like I had a bass lesson, upright bass, yeah. uh, once a week. And then she had a friend who taught at Boston Conservatory mm -hmm. who had a string ensemble for music educa education majors with no basses. Okay. So at the end of the semester, they did a recital, and they invited us to come up and play with them, and, and oh, nice. we were the two basses for their little ensemble. Oh, and I great. and I got to do a uh, solo on Hickory Dickory Dock. That was <laughs> amazing. <laughs> that's goals right there. <laughs> but most importantly, who was your piano teacher at five years old? My piano teacher, <laughs> this is terrible, my piano teacher was Mr. Cody, and he was down downtown in the old Durfee building where the Durfee Theater was. Mm -hmm. He was upstairs. But it was a whole string of offices, and there was a receptionist. And so one week, I hadn't practiced, and I was really dreading, um, looking forward to this this uh, uh, lesson. And uh, so my mother went up to the glass, and she knocked on the glass, and the receptionist uh, opened it and said, yes. She says, oh, Dennis Robinson's here for his uh, lesson with Mr. Cody. And I hear the woman whispering, and my mother comes over. She goes, no lesson today. And I was all thrilled. It was no lesson because Mr. Cody had passed away. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and I felt really bad after that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, I did so, not know that's I where did I was not going. See yeah. that coming. 
I was setting this up because I thought you were going to say like, oh, it was Dick Shore who taught no, me how to play. No. And I was going to be like, oh, that's his piano over there. But no, <laughs> I, comes I, out. I, I did learn some stuff from Dick, and, uh, and I was I was blessed. I was blessed in high school to have Irene Monty as a mentor. Oh. But um, but no, then she she set me up with lessons for some woman in Somerset after that. But I only took lessons. I was probably like six and a half or seven when I stopped. Um, but I always had an interest in music. And then I think in the fall of public schools at the time, they started offering lessons in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I missed fourth. And I have a brother a year younger. So when he was in fourth and I was in fifth, my parents decided to let us have lessons. But they could only afford to rent one instrument. Mm-hmm. So my brother James got the rented clarinet. And I got my father's hand-me-down trumpet. And that was my first instrument. Oh, okay. And then when, oh, okay. I, when I got up to high school, um, there was no trombone players. And basically, uh, Mitch Machado, who was the band director, said, if anybody wants to learn trombone, he says, I'll give you free lessons over the summer. So I t- took the lessons over the summer. And the following year, I was the lead trombone in the band, the stage band, the orchestra. And Nice. That's yeah, great. Took off from it. there. That's great. Um, <laughs> that no. Mr. Cody story. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> that, that, that any, was a great any story. Any relatives of Mr. Cody that might hear this, I'm very sorry. Yeah, for sorry for your loss. loss. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, they did make Dennis play at the funeral, though. Yes. yes. yes did. Uh, also, Hickory Dickory died. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but I didn't have to do any of those damn scales. <laughs> now, when you so you went to Berkeley. Yes. And then did you and you were a teacher? Yeah. I afterwards, w- but now did you go to Berkeley with the intention of wanting to teach music, or were you looking to be a professional musician? Well, I I wouldn't have minded teaching music, but. I saw a lot of friends that went into music education and the focus was so much on the education that uh-huh. it seemed like they had to let some of the music part of it slide. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I was determined. I said, I don't care if I'm a starving composer living in a cardboard box on New York street, you know, New York city streets, I'm going to do this. So I went jazz composition and arranging. I got out and I was working 20 hours a week at little peach for $5 an hour. When I met my wife who was full time with the phone company. Okay. And I said, you know, it was like, okay, we, we were living together and all of a sudden, uh, you know, bills would come in and it would be like, okay, the phone bill is $79 and that's more than my whole paycheck this week. So it's on you. So the male ego kicked in and I looked into some programs. I went back to school at, uh, I went to Rhode Island college and mm-hmm. got certified to teach music there. And then, um, halfway through my career, I switched from music to math. Okay. <laughs> But but I still got to do the music. Actually, um, after I switched to math, uh, I left the Fall River Public Schools, went out to Lakeville, and went there specifically to teach math. But I was there four or five years, and the woman that was directing the choir retired. Mm-hmm. So they gave me the choir. So I had four periods a day of math. I had a period of choir, and I directed the play and the musical at the school. So okay. it was great. the best That's of all awesome. worlds. And yeah. then I always had my music stuff outside of school. I was in an R&B band for a long time, my 30s and 40s into my 50s, and um, I played the organ at church. I played in tons of shows in the pit. Yeah. I mean, between the shows that I've been in, the shows that I've directed or musical directed, and the shows that i played in the pit, it's been over 150 shows over oh, wow. 52 yeah. uh, years. It's a good chunk what, of shows. What was the name of your R&B band? That, yeah. The Kids. The well, kids. It, at first it was The Kids, and then we got a, uh, a vocalist who was a little bit... Um, egotistical so it was roger cerisi and the rock and soul horns oh and we did a lot I of like stuff that. we did a lot of stuff by tower of power in chicago yeah a lot of fun so you said you've uh, you've been in shows too which yeah. i know because we're in a show together right now <laughs> uh but when did you when did you start well doing theater when i well when i was in sixth grade uh-huh. uh kid in my class um, who I was friendly with, told me that he was going to be going to audition for Little Theater for a show called The Music Man. There was a okay. little boy's part called Winthrop, who was the lead little boy. And um, so he and I worked together on the audition stuff, and I went in and auditioned, and I didn't get the part, but um, in The Music Man, there's a whole kid's band. Yep. And so I was in the band, and that was when I was 11 years old. And, uh, and then... Fall River, shortly after that, started a youth theater program. Mm-hmm. And so my brothers and sisters and I were involved in that. And then when I got to high school, I did more. And then in college, I did more. And I've just loved it ever since. It's kind of in my blood. Um, yeah. My, 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 I have a brother and a sister who both went to Emerson College for theater. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And um, 
my brother James, who lives in New York, actually did some stuff off off Broadway in New York, and he's done some directing as well. And uh, my sister Karen uh, is actually she teaches at Morton Middle School, and she's directing Into the Woods Junior down oh, there. Okay. And, oh, okay. Uh, and I just went down and helped her out a little with some of the music. So I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's great. Got to reach out to my auntie Karen. Yeah, and and you're doing something right now too. You're doing something with with uh, everyone that's in this room right now, but. Yeah. So guys and dolls at Little Theater, but also you're going to be in Joseph. Going to be in Joseph at Festival this Theater, at right? Festival, and um, actually, I just got done doing Our Town for Little Theater. Yes, uh, and that was a blast. Um, you it had was to a little, jump in for that. One. Yeah, yeah, it was a little scary because um, I directed that at my school probably five or six years ago. And uh, I got a call from the director. Someone had backed out, and she asked if you know if I could jump in. And I was thrilled with the idea until I hung up and realized, oh no, the narrator, the stage manager part, has like three or four huge monologues that I have to memorize. But um, but the director sent me these. She said, well, you you can carry a clipboard around and you know glance at it once in a while. And um, for those of you that might listening that might know who Jeff Belanger is, I I studied at the Jeff Belanger School of uh, how to, how to hide lines all over the stage. Uh, Jeff is a frequent topic Jeff, here on the podcast. Yes, he is. But um, but yeah. So uh, then I've uh, I'm thinking about. I haven't told my wife this yet, but because I know the blowback I'm going to get. But this coming week at BCC, they're having auditions for You're in Town. That's right. Another musical. And um, there's a uh, there's a part that I'm interested in, so I may audition. The only problem is from Our Town to Guys and Dolls, there was overlap. Mm-hmm. And between Guys and Dolls and You're in Town, there's overlap. Yeah. You're um, in Town, I think, goes up the second or third week of April. Mm-hmm. And this one, go, uh, Guys and Dolls, goes up the end of March. So there's going to be some. But then I'd get a little bit of a break before. Joseph is until July, so. But uh, yeah, I started my, it's funny because I, I said I've been involved in theater for 51 years, 52 years. Um, last year, last summer at 63, was my first professional gig. Work, theater, festival, yeah. festival theater, wow. yeah. What show um, was that? That was uh, um, uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast, actually. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. uh, about nine years ago, Little Theater did Beauty and the Beast, and I played Maurice. And um, for this one... I was in the ensemble, and I played the bookseller at the beginning who sells Belle all of her books. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also also the understudy for Maurice. Oh, wow. uh, oh, but great. I knew I didn't have a chance to go on because the guy who was playing Maurice was the, the director's husband. So <laughs> ah! <laughs> not a chance. But, uh, <laughs> but for Joseph, I'm going to be uh, in the ensemble, and I'm going to be understudying for Jacob and Potiphar. Nice. Oh, so okay. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, that'll be cool. And that—that's—that's that's quick time. Uh, basically, it's two weeks of rehearsals, two weeks of shows. All day rehearsals. <laughs> yeah, uh, Monday through Saturday, ten to six. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, and for uh, I did White Christmas for them in December, and actually only had one week of rehearsals because the majority of the cast was from New York City, and they did the first week of rehearsals in New York. Oh, wow. And then I jumped in when they came up to New Bedford. But uh, but like I said, the kids love me because I feed them. You know, they're they're on the road. (laughs) I mean, and I I don't know how they live this lifestyle. Um, When I did Beauty and the Beast, the guy that played Gaston, right after our Sunday matinee, he was on a bus heading for Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire to do... um, Bill Sykes in Oliver, mm-hmm. and the guy that played LeFou, his little henchman, was on a plane to Cleveland, Ohio, to play the plant in Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, wow. wow. And the guy that was Lumiere is now in Kinky Boots. He's in a tour, a national tour of Kinky Boots. <laughs> wow. wow. So, yeah. Yeah, that's what they do. They just jump from contract to contract yeah. to contract. It's, it's, it's a tough lifestyle. And they, they, all oh, have, yeah. they all have apartments in New York, but they spend three quarters of their time out of them. They end yep. up subletting them to you yep. know, friends yep. and family. So Yeah. I'm, I mean, if you're young and that's what you want to do, you're going to chase after it. God bless you. And, and most, of them, most of them were probably in their, in their 20s, maybe early 30s. Um, so, you know, that's the time to go for it. Yeah. And, and I was lucky enough to work with them because they're all, they're great. Great kids, great pros, and I learned a lot, and they learned a lot of bad dad jokes along the way, but that's, that's okay. <laughs> that's a useful skill, though, yeah. bad dad jokes. People enjoy gotta those. Gotta you got to get them ready for it, you know? <laughs> um, would you think of going into, like, any extra work for film or anything? Absolutely. Actually, I wanted to bring that up because um, kind of 
dedicating the next few years of performances to my father because um, dad uh, has been struggling a little lately. He mm-hmm. has dementia and Parkinson's disease. And, and um, one of my goal roles is to play Mr. Mushnick in Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, because yeah. You'd be great. Dad, well, he, yeah, dad you would did be. It. Dad did it years ago for Little Theater, and I played in the pit. Okay. And uh, actually, the pit was the nightclub they called the gutter, and it was actually on stage. It was off in the in the stage right wing, so I got to watch Dad and learn from him. But um, but yeah, I, I uh, uh, and he he was actually used to work for the phone company. He got laid off. I think he was fifty seven or fifty eight when he got laid off. And uh, he said, to hell with it. I'm going to enjoy life and I'm going to do the things I want to do. So he went to Boston and had professional headshots done and put a resume together. And he was an extra on probably seven or eight films. Yeah. Nice. Wow. yeah and he fe- featured leads in a couple of commercials, too. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. Uh, he actually did a commercial for Scott Paper Towels. Yes. And, uh, That's great. And, yes. uh, yeah. He was uh, he was an old fisherman. He filmed it in Gloucester. And uh, <laughs> yeah. He did uh, he did some extra work in uh, Goodwill Hunting, and uh, okay. he got he ended up on the cutting room floor of uh, True Lies. Oh, uh, okay. He and his wife Bev got uh, invited to a special preview in Seekonk, um, and it was a rough cut of the of the movie. And there's Arnold Schwarzenegger dancing with Tia Carrera in the ballroom down in Newport, and you look over Arnold's shoulder, and there's Dad. And he didn't make the final cut of the movie, but, uh, but you got, can't but, miss Grampy too. You know, the, he's got he's got these big eyebrows yeah. and yep. like big yep. mustache. He's, he sticks out like a sore thumb, but he, he's awesome for that. He's got a great look. You but, know? Yeah. but he did get to drive a Rolls Royce. He said oh, that wow. he said that um, they were letting the extras go one day, and he said, "Well, because you guys, there was a big party scene in Newport, and they all had tuxedos." He said, "Because you guys have tuxedos, if anybody wants, we can give you an extra day of work. We need." the limos to drive up to the mansion and drop off the guests. So he said, anybody wants to drive a limo? So dad went down to Newport and he got to drive a Rolls Royce into this driveway. Oh, that's incredible. That's he, he missed lunch with Steven Spielberg by about 15 minutes. Oh. He was filming Amistad in um, Providence. And really? Yep, they were yeah, doing. That was, yeah, that was I didn't realize that was filmed there. Yeah, okay. and they did. Um, they were doing outdoor shots, and it was raining one day. So the assistant director told all the extras, "Well, you guys don't have to hang around." He said, "If you want, craft services is setting up a tent, and they'll have food if you want to stay for lunch. Otherwise, you can go home, and we'll see you tomorrow as long as the weather cooperates." So Dad thought about it for a minute. He said, ah, "I'll just go home. I'll come back tomorrow." Well, fifteen minutes later, Spielberg was sitting down having lunch with all the extras and. Oh, wow. And dad, oh, was, dad was home in Swansea. <laughs> Just missed out. That would have been a great yeah. story. Yeah. It's a good story either way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. And he got to, he got to work with Denzel in um, a, a little-known movie that I just saw on TV about two weeks ago called The Harvard Scott. Uh, no, it was called The um, the Great Debate. Oh, yeah. That's terrific. Yes. And it was about an all-black school. I remember that. And um, they end up debating Harvard. And they needed all these older guys in Harvard uh, in uh, graduation robes to be the Harvard scholars on stage. And so dad was one of them. And he got a really cool picture of all the Harvard scholars and Denzel's in front of them, but he's in street clothes. And that was oh, pretty wow. cool. That's yeah, really that's cool. great. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> Matt, good for you getting out there and doing what you want to do. Speaking yep. of getting out there, um, every time I go to the bathroom at Little Theater... All I see is Dennis's name on like every poster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are on quite a bit. Like, yeah, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Um, I'm trying to think. Ca- uh, Camelot. And Camelot was a trip because it was one of my first big shows, musical directing, and opening night. The guy that was playing King Arthur, um, just in in the theater theater terms, it's what we what we call going up. When you go up, you just draw a blank. You figure mm-hmm. the whole line. Well, he forgot the whole first verse of the song, and I'm in front of the orchestra, and I'm in a mad panic. He's in a mad panic. He jumped into the second verse, and I basically had to find the place in my music, yell it to the orchestra in the pit at BCC, and then give him a downbeat, and they were right back in it. So that's it was, that's, yeah. yeah, that's amazing. And Forum, funny thing happened on the way to Forum, was one of the first shows I've ha- ever had a lead in. Um, one of my favorite characters, Pseudolus, um, he was a, a Roman slave. But, uh, <coughs> excuse me, at the time, I was directing the band at Durfee. And about three weeks, four weeks before the show opened, we had our trip to Florida. And we were going down by bus. 
So what I did was, back then I had a Walkman, back then, and uh, I recorded all my dialogue and all my cue lines. And all the way down to Florida and all the way back, I listened to it. Oh, that's great. And yeah. helped, helped with the memorization and... That's terrific. Yeah. Do you want to get back into music directing at all? Or are you just enjoying? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. and uh, I'm also uh, starting to get a little more back into the composing. When I was in at co in college at Berkeley, I wrote uh, the music for a musical called um, The Velveteen Rabbit, based on the kids' book. The book. Yeah. And um, and we produced it at BCC um, oh, through wow. the through the recreation department. And um, I brought friends from Berkeley down to be my orchestra. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I can't pay you guys, but I can promise you some home cooked food and some you know a weekend away from Boston. And so they all came and crashed in sleeping bags on my my parents' house, and um, we had a really blast. Cool. So I'm in the process of writing another musical. Uh, it's called um, Kwasukela, which in Zulu means once upon a time. Okay. And it's based on these five Zulu folk tales that all have little morals to the story. And there's a, a great grandmother who's the storyteller, and she's teaching the grandmother of the kids to be the next storyteller in line. And wow. um, and it's it's, it's gonna it's gonna have aspects of the Lion King in that I can imagine it having, you know, big African masks, and you know there are a lot of animals in the show, so you know maybe puppeteering and stuff like that. And uh, it's gonna. There's gonna be some of it in Zulu, and I've thought about um, writing to Trevor Noah, who is oh, South uh, African, yeah, yeah. and um, because what the, one of the characters' names in the play is Gogo, which means grandmother in Zulu, and he showed a little documentary of him going home to South Africa, talking to the grandmother, and he's calling her Gogo. And so I figured he can be my, my point man for like to make sure all my Zulu is correct and make sure that the culture is right. You know, yeah. I, I want to I be authentic to it if I can. I've got another one in mind for um, the life of Julius Caesar. And, um, and I actually, I'm about you know, a third of the way through writing a novel. And that novel may end up becoming a straight play, I think. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Nice. You're a busy guy. Um, <coughs> how did you, like, what was... What led you to want to do the musical about the Zulu, like, short stories? Actually, like, I think it was, I just, I came across one of them. Actually, it was a combination of things. I came across one of them online, and then I went and researched it further, and there was a whole boatload of them. And mm -hmm. so I picked out five that I thought would make the best as far as telling, a, telling a, a, you know, a complete story. Um but then I was also interested in the style of music um, that they do um, from Paul Simon's Graceland album. Because okay. there was a, a South African vocal group called Ladysmith Black Mombazo. That, uh, it's an a cappella group. And they backed him up on a lot of the songs, especially one called Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes. Yes. Which was about basically people who were, you know, so poor. They were living in poverty, working in these diamond mines. Um, and um, and f something about that album just clicked with me. I love that style of music, so I want to incorporate some of that. Um, but uh, yeah, the the, uh, the folk tales were great because um, when my kids were small, I used to read to them from a thing called the Book of Values. Um, by William Bennett, who used to be an education secretary. And they were all little, like, fairy tale type things, but they all had a moral behind them. And that's the thing with these Zulu folktales. Each one of them has a moral. But how can we get the moral across to these young kids? Well, what we do is we tell the story based on animals that they know and how those animals behave and what happens as a result of how the animals behave. And that way the kids can say, Oh well, this animal. This happens with this animal, and now you know if I act like that, it's going to happen with me. So they get the moral across that way. I think that's super interesting. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, that's really awesome. Good for you. Thanks. Could we um, get you to consider shelving all of that to work on Annie Three? <laughs> is it, I don't even know what it is. It might be Annie Four at this point. Yeah, that's true. true. I, like I didn't know there was an Annie Warbucks. I saw that the other day. Like yeah. that's this actual sequel. Oh gosh. Well, I wouldn't be so averse to uh, a, another extension of Annie as long as I didn't have to listen to the songs Maybe or Tomorrow <laughs> one more time. That's fair. Uh, I that play, is fair. I played in the pit for about. Um, four different versions of Annie 
And unfortunately, sometimes composers get stuck. And when they're looking for scene change music, they tend to use music that they've found through the previews is music from the show that's popular. And I think every single scene change in Annie is either maybe or tomorrow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's like when you go to Disney Disney World and you go near the ride, it's a small world. Yep. You say to yourself when you're leaving Disney World, if I never hear that song again, mm-hmm. I will be a happy person. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> When's the last time you played in a pit? Oh God. Um, and is that something that you'd want to do again, or are you? Oh, more... absolutely. Yeah, I, I loved right. playing in the pit. Um, yeah, there's quite a few funny stories about the pit, but um, I think um, my brother James directed Gypsy for Little Theater mm-hmm. a few years ago, and I was in the pit for that. Oh, and then um, on trombone Bob, or piano? Uh, uh, tr- uh, trombone on that one, and then. Um, Bobby Perry, who's musical directing Guys and Dolls, um, was musical directing something else. And I remember it was funny because sometimes the musical director will pl- will play the piano for the um, rehearsals, but they'll hire an accompanist to play for the shows. But <clears throat> for some reason, Bobby um, either couldn't get or didn't get a piano player for the shows, so he had to play piano. But there were also several places where he had to conduct us in. So for the run of the show, he wore a baseball hat, and he taped a conductor's baton to it. And whenever he had to give us a downbeat, he would listen, give his head a big nod, and we'd just watch for the conductor's stick to go up and down. That's amazing. Oh yeah. That's pretty ingenious. Good for him. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And wow. uh, and um, the other person that's uh, done some musical directing for a little theater is Dan Snizek, who is a, by trade a drummer. Yes. And um, oftentimes um, Dan will uh, he'll uh, have an accompanist for the rehearsals mm-hmm. and for the shows, and um, he'll also conduct and he'll hire a separate drummer. But I've also played in the pit with Dan when he was a drummer. I played for some shows at Tiverton High School. Oh, sure. and Dan, oh yeah. Dan played yeah. drums and. Uh, um, we did chorus line with them, and uh, they did hair. Nice. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, it was hair had um, some. You remember that? You know that band Bocek that I play with? Yes, sure. Yeah, yeah, some of those guys are in. Were in hair. Yep. Back and in the, the day. what was the other one? Um, what's the one with uh, the movie with Kevin Bacon dancing? Footloose. 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 Yeah, they yeah. did Footloose too, and and same thing. The guys from Bocek were in that too. Yeah, they're they're good musicians too. Yeah, good yeah. guys. And actually, one of the guys in Bocek, his dad. Used to be the band director at Tiverton High School. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, is it, uh, it, um, Dante's dad? Dante's, yeah. yeah. Dante's dad, Paul, yeah. yeah. Dante's a killer musician. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yes. He's great. Dante yeah. is great. Dante yeah. was Dante the one in uh, Spring Awakening? In, in Spring Awakening, bass yeah. player in Spring Awakening. Yes, yeah. Um, I was going to say Hocus Pocus 2. And in Hocus Pocus 2. Right. In the band Hocus in Hocus Pocus 2. Oh, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah, that's great. <laughs> yes, he is. Dante's fabulous. Shout yeah, out to Dante. Why not? Shout hey. out to Dante. Yeah. Hey, Dante. You know, when you asked about the ex- film extra work, I was yep. kind of disappointed that I didn't uh, didn't jump in on that because that would have been fun. Yeah. yeah huh? there, I was keeping an eye on it. And now that I know that you're interested in doing it, anytime I come across something, I'll, I'll reach out to you. Well, not, you know, you're a big veteran with that stuff now. You, I mean, uh, yes. you, you, you and, you know, Jack yeah, Black actually, are like uh, yeah. two pieces legally, <laughs> legally, you can't call him a big veteran. He's a little guy. I'm yeah, a little guy. This right. is yeah, petite I'm little a, guy. Yeah, petite, petite veteran. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's what I am. Yeah. Experienced veteran. No, I'll tell you, there is a lot of fun. Um, there is a lot of fun with doing extra work and film work uh, in general. Um, And I think there's some people who take, there's two ends of the spectrum here. There's some people that are are extras and they take it too seriously. And they like, they come home and they tell their (laughs) friends, like they starred in this movie and they, you know, do this thing. Then there's other people that uh, they view extra work. Like it's like, literally nothing like you like you're the lowest of the lowest mm-hmm. and it's somewhere in between there yeah it's somewhere yeah, sure. where it's like it's a lot of fun and you can get a lot out of it and and a lot of good experiences and also don't take yourself too seriously like yeah. you are you know you're 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 there to to enhance you know as much as possible um but you can have fun doing that and you can be artistic and and creative yeah with, maybe, all within there yeah. maybe you get a line 
Maybe that does happen. Yeah, yeah. you yeah, might get a, a, a yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, uh, or these come pre- on, or these pretzels are making me thirsty. Yes, <laughs> these pretzels are making me thirsty. Yeah, it's yeah actually, Seinfeld. Have, actually, oh, sorry, have, have some other Seinfeld friends guy. that have done some extra work. Um, Dan Rosendis, who's done some stuff a little oh, theater. Yeah. Yeah, he was in the he was fighter. In the fighter yeah. yeah, and um, right. there's one of the scenes where Christian Bale's in jail, and uh, over his shoulder you can see Dan in the background. And then a friend of mine from high school, Nancy Shore, who lives in New York City, she's been doing a ton of um, TV extra work. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. She was on uh, Orange Is the New Black. Um, okay. Wow. She was on Madam Secretary. Um, and uh, and she's done a lot of uh, other stuff, film stuff, and some. It you know, sounds like stuff. such a cool way to like do retirement. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, right? and yeah. Like to, yeah. Like I, I wish my dad would get into something like that. It, like I can see that on my list of things to do at that point in my life. Yeah, yeah, and you can make some decent cash doing it too. Make some good money, pick up a couple of contracts here and there. Yeah, like it's it's worth it. I think it's awesome. Yeah, my my big disappointment was. Um, Probably shortly after Goodwill Hunting was made, there was a lot of scuttlebutt that um, they might be building because the Massachusetts film industry was really starting to boom. Yeah. That they might be building a studio in Plymouth. That's right. Yeah, I remember and, that. Uh, oh, I remember and, that too. Uh, and I haven't heard anything any more about it, and kind of disappointed because I think it would be you know quite an asset to the to the Commonwealth, mm-hmm. but also it would give a lot of people around here that have a lot of talent a little outlet. You know. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Completely. Completely. Work. And it would give. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, a home base to come back to. There you go. Yeah. Lovely Plymouth. Yeah, we'll get them on the podcast one day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're on the short list. They're on the short list. Yeah. You can can interview them on the top of Plymouth Rock. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Um, So people might not know, but if, if, I mean, they will now. You and Jared are related. Yes, Jared's my nephew. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, when Dennis was saying my biggest disappointment, I thought he was going to say Jared. <laughs> second. Second. Second biggest, biggest no. disappointment. No, actually, when, when Jared was first starting to come up and, and get talent, show his talents in music and theater, uh, my brother came to me and said, uh, hey, you know, uh, I never got the talent, but, you know, Jared, it seems to have uh, jumped to him from you. I, and I shook my head and I said, no, Kevin. Jared's way more talented than me, but oh, uh, but thank you for geez. the compliment. Kevin. Well, that's I, I was going to ask you, and I knew that Jared was going to hate this, but I was going to ask you if there was a moment that you remember, like you know, because he's not your son, so you don't have to be one hundred percent loyal to him oh, and uh, think everything that he does I is great. Absolutely <laughs> have a memory. No, but oh, yeah, I have great. a memory of Jared coming down the stairs, and he had. I want he either had gym shorts or boxer shorts on, but he had shorts on. <laughs> okay. And he had cowboy boots. Yep. And a cowboy hat, and was carrying a guitar. And he was probably five or six years old, and he was doing his best Elvis imitation. <laughs> <laughs> I still do it. I still, still do it. That's yeah. great. I get my little boxer briefs on, my cowboy boots, and practice Elvis on day. the stairs every day, baby. <laughs> that's <laughs> incredible. Keep it sharp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very on brand for me. I think that's very much that's very much me there. Well, actually, yeah. we'll we'll share a video to our Instagram of Jared doing that. Yeah. Yeah, if you could get that to us, Dennis, we'd really appreciate it. Well, actually, he's he's not much taller now than he was then. So no, not much taller. No, yeah. I always say whenever whenever I yeah exactly whenever I play Jesus, I'm the smallest Jesus since Jesus. Pocket Jesus, (laughs) pint-sized Jesus. Oh, that's great. Have you been in Guys and Dolls before? Uh, no, but I have played. Uh, I have never musical directed. I played uh, played in the pit, I think, twice for Guys and Dolls. And, um, of course, I was in it three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Yeah. But yep. uh, so I've already I've already informed the directors that having aged three years since the last time we were doing this, that I would have to color my hair and uh, and uh, <laughs> paint my my mustache too. So <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do about these bags under my eyes, but we'll have to deal with that. How uh, how are you liking it? Oh my God, I, I love it. And uh, um, when I was researching the part and looking back at some of the other people that have played Benny South Street. Um, one of the th- ones I came across was uh, an actor named J.K. Simmons. I was going to say, did he play and, him? Uh, yeah. yeah, J.K. was when they did the uh, they did a scene when um, Nathan Lane was um, was uh, Nathan, yep. and uh, they did a scene at the Tony Awards, and they did "Sit Down, You Rock in the Boat." Yes, and um, 
J.K. Simmons was front and center. And um, I've always loved him as an actor. I think he's very underrated. He's incredible. And uh, but but I was watching him, and I couldn't I couldn't take my eyes off him. And I'm like, yeah, I'd like to do that. And uh, and I'm gonna have a blast with it. I mean, uh, um, the uh, the young man that's playing nicely, nicely Johnson is actually a former student of mine. And um, he says that I'm I was his first theater teacher, which is <laughs> a little uh, intimidating. But um, <laughs> but he and I actually have three or four songs together in the show so yes so that'll be a lot of fun that's great you know um i'm sorry i'm gonna take this a different direction really quickly uh they just did guys and dolls at the kennedy center um recently um the gentleman from aladdin who played the genie played nathan yes 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 um but I, i think i told jared about this i don't know if you saw anything about this ryan um big julie was my favorite casting in the show did you see this no you told me i told you uh Big Julie was played by Rachel Dratch from SNL. Oh my god! Amazing! It's terrific to see just this little. Per- it's funny because there's a uh, in Luck Be a Lady. There's a video of it, and there's so much great dancing happening on stage, and you see Rachel Dratch hiding, like in the shadows, <laughs> and then like right for the end, jumping forward into the light and go like, like That's putting amazing. her hands out. It was great. I, I love unexpected castings like that. Like I think. If I was directing, and if he was still alive, who's the actor, the little short guy, his name's Leslie... Um, Leslie Jordan. Leslie Jordan, oh, who yeah. just recently passed away. Yes. I think he would be hysterical as Big Julie. Uh, I'd be true. Oh, that, that's, that's <laughs> oh my funny. gosh, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> funny. Yeah. That's really funny. That is... Yep. Talk about casting against type. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that... Are those videos on, available on YouTube? Um, I saw, like, a highlights thing. Okay. That had, like, cuts from different parts of the show. But um, like from uh, um, from Sue Me, Luck Be a Lady, Rock yeah. the Boat. Um, I don't. I haven't done any research to see if there's the full numbers on, online. I'm sure they are. They typically the Kennedy Center makes all their stuff. Yeah, available. yeah, they, yeah, yeah. My my only regret um, with Guys and Dolls is my regret with all of the um, musicals that we do at BCC. Um, when we do the Firebond shows, people have the opportunity over two weekends to see it. Yeah. yeah, and with the BCC shows, it's only one weekend. So that you know what that means, folks. Get your tickets early. Yeah, absolutely. You have buy to. them exactly. off and buy them early. Yeah, um, and it's, it's going to be going. it's going to be a nice nice uh, uh, journey back to the stage for all of us because it's been a while. Yeah, um, it has been a while. And the pandemic, we need to break out of that. And I also found out that um, that Joseph this summer uh, at uh, the Zyterian is going to be one of the last major productions before the Zyterian shuts down for a while because they're doing, I want to say, it was like a $35 million oh, yeah, renovation. Yeah, renovation. Yeah. Wow. Do they, it's going to be huge. Do they give a, a time frame on like how long they expect that project to take? I don't know, but I hope. Um, it, it usually, uh, th- well, this is the first time, uh, I guess, in their history that Festival Theater has done three shows. They did um, White Christmas in December, mm-hmm. and then they're, they're, in April they're doing The Wiz. That's right. And in yes. July, they're doing um, Joseph. So I'm hoping that if they shut down immediately after Joseph, if the renovations are expedited, maybe they can be done by the following summer. Nice. So the festival yeah. can come back in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Do you know any specifics as to what they're renovating? I know that there's a lot of touch-ups. I mean, the, the seats all seem to be in pretty good condition. The stage uh-huh. is, is okay. Um, there's a lot of little touch-up stuff that needs to be done. But I know, too, I think... Part of what I heard is I think they're going to add a rehearsal space upstairs. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Um, and um, Are they doing a full refacing of the exterior as well, too? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think I okay. saw something about that. And I don't know if they're going to make some um, different accommodations for the orchestra because the orchestra pit there is very small. Um, and when we did Beauty and the Beast, they wanted to um, extend the stage out over the orchestra pit. So the orchestra okay. ended up having to be... Um, if you go into the lobby of the Zyterian, to the left, there's a bar. And behind the bar, there's a big, like, almost like a conference room type extra room. And the orchestra was actually there. And we had the conductor of the orchestra by video feed. Okay. Because they were, and they were mic'd to come through the sound system. We, we couldn't even see the orchestra for that. For Beauty oh, wow. And Beast, wow. Yeah. But, um, but we made it work. Yeah. There, there is a benefit of doing that. Like that's what we've been doing at BCC. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like it makes sound so much easier. Yeah. And you don't it have does. to deal with that acoustic sound in the room. I think for some shows though, you do need to have that, the band, the uh, orchestra, of, whatever you want to call it. Part of the it. show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah on, sure. Part of the show on stage. 
Um, well, one of my mentors was Irene Monty, and um, Little Theater years ago did um, a show called The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Mm-hmm. And um, the way they had the stage set up, there were two staircases that came down from a balcony, kind of semicircular towards the middle of the stage, and the band was actually on stage in between the two staircases. So we oh, were like wow. right That's there great. in the middle yeah. of it, you know. And then, cool. and then I did a show at the Fire Barn with my father directing called Pump Boys and Dinettes. Yeah, that's which right. Is, that's also in the it's about yep. um, <laughs> It's about uh, uh, some guys that have a garage and women that have a little diner across the highway from each other in Georgia, in uh, Smyrna, Georgia. And um, the band is actually the guys from the garage. And so I was, my character's name was LM. He was one of the owners of the garage. And they set up the piano to look like a desk. So it looked like I was sitting at the desk in the garage. Oh, cool. And all of a sudden, all these these mechanics and stuff would come out with banjos and guitars and start singing and playing. That's awesome. When was was that? That was, oh my gosh, 17 or 18 years ago. Wow. Yeah. I, I must have seen it. 2003. Yeah, I must have seen it. Oh, 20, 20, 20 years ago. Look at this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but, it's uh, funny. It's great because uh, in the show is uh, David Farrier playing uh, Nicely, Nicely. Oh, y- yep. Um, Roger Belanger, who's uh, not in the show, and John Ashley Jr. was in that show as well. Yep. Nice. Oh, John Ashley. Yep. Got to get him on the pod one day. He's done Absolutely. a lot of uh, local theater. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that was one of those shows. My um, my father, uh, Jared's grampy, um, he and his wife used to go down to New York um, for a long weekend around Labor Day weekend, and they would try to see like seven or eight shows. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And inevitably, they would come back and they would say, my father would say, oh, I found this great show. It was off-Broadway, and nobody knows about it, and it's a re- it would be great for the Firebond. Do you want to do it with me? I'll direct, and you musical direct. And then his wife, Bev, would be the stage manager. and um, So it was a whole family affair. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, they used to come back with all sorts of really unique, cool things. That was a, that was a really that was like a tradition for them, yeah. really. Um, that's we did something... a show called the Spitfire Grill, and we did Pump Boys, and I think we did Nonsense too, and then we did um, Children of Eden on the big stage. Of oh, BCC. that was fun. Yeah. Jared uh, was in that one. That was a that was a fun show. Yeah. Children of Eden was beautiful. Well, wow, I think that you, Jared, should direct a show, and I think that Dennis should be the musical director so, yeah why not or me. in the show or yeah i mean that i mean you got to keep, not, keep the right? family uh tradition going or here. both yes <laughs> um so we are uh, we're getting close to wrapping up um now we do a thing we do a thing oh my gosh we haven't done the thing in a long time we though. haven't done the thing in a long time i didn't even warn you on the thing this is the quick change all right it's okay. we do it i do it with every guest at the end of the show and it's one minute of rapid fire questions where you just need to answer to the best of your ability the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. And as truthful and honest as possible. You can lie. No one will know. <laughs> no, we're going to fact check. D- does this get censored at all? Uh, <laughs> if yeah. you we'll want see. it to. It, we'll see. We'll, it, it can. It, it certainly beep, can. Beep, we're beep. not trying to offend anybody. But. Joe has final cut, so it's all what's up to him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we try not to offend anybody. Recently, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> So, so yes, the fastest minute in podcasting and fastest is in quotes. Uh, That's right. You know, you never know where you get. Uh, But it's called the quick change. Okay. Okay. So the timer will start when I finish the first question. Okay. All right. Dennis Robinson. Yes, sir. The quick change. What is the first show that you saw on Broadway? Uh, Cats. What? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, the Magic Show with Doug Henning, 1976. Wow. Okay. What is the first show that you were ever in? The Music Man. What is your favorite musical? Mm. So many. Uh, Cats. What is your favorite play? The Odd Couple. What is the favorite role that you have had? Um, Martini in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Who would play you in the movie of your life? Um, Richard Dreyfuss. Good choice. (laughs) Great choice. Do you consider yourself a singer, an actor, or a dancer? Definitely not a dancer. Um, I'm I'm an actor who sings. What's your dream role? 
uh, couple, uh, Tevia and Fiddler on the Roof, or um, Don Quixote in Man of La Mancha. That's time. That's time. Nice. You got through that good. That was pretty good. Um, now, this is this is something that I want to try. Okay. Oh, oh no. This is something I want to try. Um, and you're the guinea pig. <laughs> okay. Okay. It, so. Hey, don't call my uncle a guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there could be younger actors that listen to this, musicians, whatever. What is as a former teacher? and a musician and an actor and a theater lover and everything. What piece of advice would you give to the listeners? Well, when it comes to the arts, it's really, it, it can be difficult because oftentimes parents that are not involved in the arts are conflicted about letting their, their kids go into the arts. Um, but my advice would be while you're young and energetic and if you have the talent and, you know, you have to be, you have to be objective and listen to people who know better, um, whether or not you have the possible ability to do it, um, go for it, but have a backup plan. Perfect. Um, What's I, your I, advice though, for, for young people interested in math, though? No, no uh, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> go for it, but don't be afraid to try other things like theater or music. Or you know, Nice. Well, there you go. Hey, that's a good way to spin that. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Um, thank you so much. Thank My so pleasure. Much. Really appreciate you having uh, the time to come on here and, you know, entertain all of us and talk with us. So Absolutely. thank you so much. Thank you. Have thank fun you. at end rehearsal. It, hey, hey, yep. wait, 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 wait. Oh. End, it, end it with a dad joke. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, just well, just yeah, think, yeah, though. Yeah, we yeah. Don't, don't offend anybody, but, you know, just come on. Give us give us one. Um, well, one of, uh, one of your father's favorites. Um, did you, have you guys ever heard about the guy that had five penises? <laughs> oh, no. No. His pants fit like a glove. all right let's all end with a dad joke uh hey did you guys you guys hear about the two satellite dishes who got married no Eh, the wedding was nothing to talk about but the reception was amazing (laughs) i guess that's it (laughs) 